Keaton Smith here from Real Movement. The point of the video is to get across a bit of how I focus on speaking to athletes and working with athletes, helping you get the most out of yourself. What are some of the things that I work on that I think are very important that I would suggest other coaches engage with and that athletes probably look for uh, in their coaches and kind of look for in themselves even, self-knowledge, know yourself, know your goals. First thing that I would say is to speak the same language, right? So I had this scenario, I worked in France for a couple of years. I turned up to France. I didn't really speak French. I spoke Spanish because I'd had a few years living in Latin America, but I didn't really speak French. And the coaching staff spoke in French and half the players spoke in French as their first language. And so while it was possible to survive in English, it was impossible to thrive. So I had to speak the language of the players and I went full on at it. So before I actually got to France, I was studying French, you know, six, eight hours a day, watching movies, listening to language programs. And because I'd had the experience of learning Spanish, I'd also learned some Yankunjara, um, Piranjara and uh, Tzotzil, German, Portuguese. So I'd had experiences because I traveled for most of my 20s. I had experiences of being like that fish out of water and trying to take on a new language. So I had that experience over and over again. So I kind of knew what I was in for going to France, where a lot of the players and other Australians that went there, they'd been in a monolingual environment. They'd never really lived outside of their home environment. As a kid, I also lived in England. My dad was a rugby league coach and he coached teams in England and it was in Hull, it was in Bradford and Leeds and while they spoke English, it was nothing like the English that I'd grown up with. So to, to them, I was a complete foreigner and I couldn't really understand what they were saying and they couldn't really understand what I was saying. That the learning curve isn't as steep when, you know, that's the only barrier when you're a kid. But I'd had that experience since I was a child, right? So I think that has made me a bit of a chameleon. Now when I go into a training camp with Sonny B. Williams, if there's two or three Kiwis in the group, then all of a sudden I'm starting to sound like a like I'm from New Zealand. And my wife sort of says like, you, you know, you're picking up little things. She doesn't notice as much because um, she's German background. So English isn't her first language, but I can even feel it in myself. And it's kind of a natural trait that I've picked up, whether it's a self-defense thing, you know, an adaptive thing. It is what it is. You know, it's it's a double-edged sword. You could say um, I'm overly sensitive to, to the environment that I'm in because, you know, that's a sign of it with language. But I, I do adapt very quickly to the language environment. Some things I will consciously avoid and move out of. You know, we're just at our camp in Spain. We had some rules around language, certain words that you don't say because they have a negative impact on your physiology, your psychology, your performance. So we took some let words out of our vocabulary for those few days um, consciously. So... I don't want to be a chameleon to the extent that I pick up words and habits and phrases that aren't going to take me to where I want to go. Every word is a universe, I think is saying that Caroline Mace said, or she pulled the quote from someone else, but words are very, very powerful things, right? So speaking the language that you need to speak to the athlete is very important. That can be with, you know, um, your phrasing and things like that, it makes you relatable, right? The words that you choose either make you relatable or unrelatable. You want to be relatable to your athlete even go to the extent of learning some words in their language. You know, if they're from a different culture, go and learn a few words in their language. If they're making the effort every day to exist in your language and to be coached in your language, then, you know, go as far as you need to go. If you actually go and work in France, then, you know, you should really become fluent in that language or, or make every effort too. It's going to be a more difficult game if you make that China, if you make that uh, you know, Japan. It's not going to be so easy to pick it up. French and English are... Uh, just the countries are right next to each other. 
In France dominated England for a long time. There's a huge English, um, French influence in the English language. There's a huge German influence in the English language. So those languages come much more easily, but that's kind of the first side of it. That's kind of the literal side of speak the, the athlete's language. The second side of that would be to actually look at what, what motivates that athlete. So if you know that that athlete is very driven at the time by getting ahead financially, then speak about the contracts, speak about their future contracts, speak about improving their worth and their value as a player. You don't have to necessarily always say directly, you know, you're going to make more money. But if you say this is going to make you more valuable or, you know, this is you're worth this or it's worth your while or that kind of thing, that the language can fit in there and it's the language that's going to resonate if that's the values of the individual. If it's all about family, then you can introduce that to the conversation as well, you know, you relate it back or just have that discussion from time to time about, you know, how they're seeing what you're up to, your progress, etc. Um, whatever it is that the key driver is, then if it's about winning, then just, you know, con consistently talk about being the best, about how to dominate, about how to find that competitive advantage. If, if, if you know that the athlete is kind of shies away from that really competitive language, then don't use that. Use more the family stuff. You know what I mean? So it's trying to adapt that language and understand what it is that athlete really cares about. The more individual the environment is and the, the, the longer your relationship is, then obviously the easier it is to go deeper with this stuff. But if it's, uh, you know, if you've got a big team environment, then yeah, you want to have that interview with every athlete and say, how can I help you? All right, this is, a, this is a big tip as well. Start with that. And if you're the athlete listening to this, what do you want help with? If you don't know what you want help with, then I can't help you, right? I probably can, but I want you to know, right? So I can start to show you some of the gaps, but you have to say, well, yeah, I'd like to, these are the gaps that I'd like to fill, right? So the second thing, and it's kind of like speaking the language, is speak the language by being it, right? If, that, if you know the athlete wants to jump higher, run faster, you know, be leaner, be able to get into positions, be super skillful, have the reflexes of a cat. The more you can be that, the more you're speaking their language, literally, physically. You don't have to explain to them that you know what you're talking about. They just watch you. They watch you train. They watch what you're about, and they know, right? So there are different schools of thought around athletes, um, coaches being athletes, and coaches training themselves, right? And the, the old school view, I think, was that as long as you had the knowledge, then you would be okay. And there was this big gap between authority and and student and, and athlete, you know what I mean? But these days with the internet, etc., the athletes are nobody's fool. They're looking around for the advantage and they're looking at, well, what's this other guy doing? What's this other guy doing? If you don't understand what those other guys are doing, if you can't do what those other guys are doing, if you can't, then how are you going to take that athlete there? Maybe you can. But I feel as though for young coaches and for most young athletes now, they want to know, like they want to see it. Are you doing the work? It's not necessarily that I was outlifting, you know, every athlete that I've ever worked with. I wish I could. I wish I did. I probably would have helped uh, them go further a lot more. But the intent was always there. They knew that I loved the process. They knew that I was going through the process. I was making mistakes and I would, I would, you know, they could see that, that that was going on. So it's a learning process. And there's a certain level of mutual respect that comes with knowing that you're in that game, you're in that process, right? So that goes also for your nutrition. So many coaches, they have horrendous nutrition and they want their athletes to have better body composition. You're, you're an amateur, you're leading a bad example. If everybody did what you did, they'd be in this position that the rest of society is in, right? So if as a coach, you eat like most of society does, which most coaches do from my experience, or even worse, you know, they're trying to follow sports nutrition, they fill themselves with protein bars and protein shakes, and then just crap on top of that. 
rewarding themselves with ice cream every time they do a set of bench press, then, you know, you have nothing to give in that sense, but you're also, the athlete has to actively decide, I don't want to be like my coach in this sense, right? Which is a challenging thing for an athlete to do. And you don't want to have too many of those things, right? So it's like if you're quitting smoking and everyone around you smokes, then it's going to be a harder game than if you move to a society where no one smokes. So you move to a team, you know, where every athlete has a great attitude. They do their extras. They're turning up on time. They're full of buzz. There's no, you know, there's there's nothing really dragging things down. I'm sure there's going to be the jokes and whatnot, but you know the difference between those cultures and who you how you're going to be different, right? So as a coach, you're either pulling the athletic culture up or you're pulling it down. You're pulling the mental culture up or you're pulling it down. Um, so I would advise you to take the athletic journey. And even if you only specialize in one aspect of it, you know, a lot of guys will be like, I'm the strength coach. I'm just going to squat and bench. I'm going to be super unathletic, but at least they can see that I squat and bench. That's better than nothing, you know what I mean? Um, but know that if your athletes follow your path, they're going to do their ACL, they're going to snap their Achilles. Squat bench deadlift is, is a horrendous way to prepare an athlete. If you're not filling in the gaps around that, if you're not respecting structural balance for running athletes and the philosophy of physiology of building an athlete for, for running, it's, it's, it's not going to work, right? So box squats, trap bar deadlifts, if this is the foundation of your program, you need to find a new coach because that stuff is going to destroy your career. I've experienced that for myself. I've seen it over and over. Sure, some guys survive, and some guys, you know, they bounce back from their from their ACL surgeries, and they, you know, some guys are just, are just going to make it through. They're cockroaches. They're they're durable, but ACL, you know, ACL numbers at the moment, injury numbers, you know, it's box squats are the orthopedic surgeons, you know, dream because it's they're filling their filling, you know, helping them buy a new Porsche, and that's. Uh, we need to go a different way. So as a coach, you know, lead a path towards athleticism. And this is something that I've changed my tune on a lot in the last 12, 24 months. And I, I, honestly, I wouldn't have taken Sonny Bill on for his preparation for the World Cup and, and moving to Toronto had I not had that change in philosophy for myself because I've had niggles, I've felt old, I haven't really felt very athletic. And I just w went and changed my training. I understood what Charles Pollockham was trying to get at because Ben Patrick knew how to break it down. He knew how to deliver it. He knew how to explain everything that you know no one else ever wanted to explain. He asked Charles questions in private that I never heard him answer in public. And then Ben's gone and shared that. You know, Ben Ben's uh, continued the legacy of of Charles Pollockham. I think in a better way than anyone else ever has because he applied it to running athletes. And I think a lot of the Pollockham information has been applied well to bodybuilding. It's been applied well to. Um, you know, body composition and, you know, somewhat into powerlifting, into strongman, into those kind of fields. But really Charles's passion was athletic performance and snatch was, you know, what he was passionate about and performance, you know what I mean? So um, I, I encourage you to be athletic if you want to work with, with those athletes. And, and that's, that's a way to speak their language, right? So the third thing I would say is to ask for more. It's, it sounds so simple, but we just don't do it as coaches, I would go into the Roosters gym and I would say, look, we're going to have 10 PBs here. Once we've had 10 PBs, we'll move on to the next thing. There's 13 guys in the room. Go. What do we get? We get 10 PBs. I don't even remember one day where I was like, all right, we only got nine, let's move on. Or we only got two, let's move on. I don't remember that day. Sometimes I don't have a perfect memory. I'll, I'll give you that. But ask for it. Tell them, okay, this is where we're going to be. At the end of this camp, this is where we're going to be. By knowing where we're going and asking for, okay, this is the standard, you get this kind of improvement. There's way too many programs out there 
that there's no clear targets built in. There's no clear direction. What I love about the ATG system, the real movement belt system, is you have a clear direction and a path to follow. Way too many coaches, they don't know where they're headed. The athlete doesn't know where they're headed. They're kind of in maintenance mode. They're like, oh, as long as I, you know, as long as I play a lot of footy this year, everything's okay. That's no, not okay. Like, keep getting better. Fill the gaps. Never settle. Never settle. It's not good enough. If it's good enough, go retire. If it's not good enough, then get better. Right? So where's the gap? There's always a gap. Where's the gap? Where's the gap for you? If you don't know where the gap is, then it can't help you, you know? So as a coach, ask for more. Demand the PB. Say, look, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to get today. And you'll find that it happens more often than not, right? So it's a huge part of it. Just set your standards. Everyone, this is where our average is going to be this year. This is, you know, this is what this is what I need from you. And more often than not, the subconscious mind will take that on. The, the group will conform. They're either going to conform to low standards and what they've done in the past, or they're going to conform to a new standard and find a new level of performance, right? So that's the game. That's the choice. Number four, change the diet. I'm yet to meet an athlete who doesn't need to change his diet. Athletes don't know what to eat because they're part of society and society doesn't know what to eat. Does society know what to eat? Go and look at the supermarket. Three, four generations ago, they would have gone into that place and gone, where's the food? Even in the meat section, they would have gone, where, where are the organs? Where's the fat? What is this stuff? Why, 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 why are you trimmed all the fat off? <laughs> what are you doing here? I went to the butcher today, Turkish butcher. The Turkish butcher is infinitely better than the German butchers. So the Turkish butcher, maybe not all be grass-fed and all that stuff. I didn't get down to the details, but at least they have some good stuff in there. They have feet, they have organs, they have they have whole sheep's heads, lamb's heads. We bought whole lamb heads, the eyeballs in and everything. So first time doing that actually as well. So I love buying something different. The circle of life, you know, and kids seeing that, I love it understanding life gives life everything wants to live everything has beauty can't eat that because it's beautiful why under one why isn't everything else beautiful why isn't that animal beautiful why isn't that plant beautiful why does this one want to die and that one doesn't want to die everything doesn't want to die so change the diet our ancestors knew how to eat modern athletes do not know how to eat first change yourself and change the athlete good place to start with this is the work of western a price Ancestral nutrition, we have a course about that within Real Movement Coaches uh, course from uh, Dom, Dom uh, Origins Nutrition on Instagram, does an amazing job with nutrition. He, he's been studying very, very deeply uh, for, for a long time and, you know, he applies what he learns and he's, he's a good coach. You know, he gets the message across very, very well. I introduced him to Sonny and, and some of the other guys, Quade Cooper and some of the, the other guys because... He's, he's got a good ability to get his message across, right? He, he, he's very, very passionate about what he does and he lives it. So he's doing the be it stage to such an extent that I was like, yeah, this is going to help to get this message across. It wasn't overly different from what I was teaching. There's definitely some different things and some tweaks. Some things I don't even agree with a thousand percent, but, um, you know, like he's using some sourdough. I'm not a big fan of sourdough, but it's not make or break. The biggest thing is getting that message across about you know where we're headed with this, the bigger picture, getting inspired to go on the journey, right? So change the diet, go on the ancestral diet, understand what the work of Weston A. Price. Weston A. Price is a genius. He's a dentist. It's the best book ever written on nutrition. I've never seen, I haven't seen anything in the modern world that's that's even close 
to it. Um, I need to probably get onto Dr. Paul Saladino's book and um, yeah, maybe there's some stuff going to come out, the work of Paleomedicina and all these references are included in Real Movement um, resources section and I just finished last week, I did a 5,000 words and 55 minutes speaking about meat-based diets uh, for athletes and, and where to blow the lines and what to include and, and how to mix it up and all the details and things that I've never heard any sports dietitian introduce and I don't suspect, you know, maybe it's coming some stage in the not too distant future. There definitely are some good ones out there, but they break away from the norms massively. There's room to improve there. This is what you're made of, right? So there's a lot of athletes that don't have great motivation, consistency. They struggle getting out of bed. They're not dealing with the training load. We're trying to do all these things with wellness and HIV and meditation and massage. And what are they made of? You can't really be made of something that you haven't ingested according to the physics of it. I do believe in energetics. I do believe in, you know, the power of the mind. But psychology should start with what are you made of? What are you making the brain out of? What are you fueling the brain with? If it's this biological antenna battery thing, then what is it made of? We're going on these low-fat diets. We know that low-fat diets have an association with depression. If we deplete the brain of what it needs, of phospholipids, you know, this... the thought process is not going to be there to the same extent, right? The, the quality of the cell membranes, the quality of the neurons, the myelination of the nerves. All we're looking for is fractions. If you're 1% better than everyone else in the world, you know, you stand before kings. You, you'll make your million dollars. You'll win your gold medal. You're only looking for, you're looking for that fraction. If you're not looking for that fraction, go to something else. Go to something that doesn't require looking for fractions. You know, just go pick up a job somewhere. Don't be an entrepreneur. Don't be a business person because as a business person, you want to be looking for those fractions. It's the same mentality if you're going to run a business. We want those fractions, right? So there's fractions there. There's more than fractions there in nutrition. Athletes don't eat well. I've yet to meet an athlete that is really nailing this. Anthony Minicello probably the exception you know he'd had a great education from aaron mckenzie they'd been down this western a price pathway probably a few details that i would shift but it turned you know it turned his career around if you listen to him speak about it you know it was was a huge huge change so the opportunity is there for you to do what hasn't been done in your sport do what hasn't been done in your team it's not easy to stand out from the crowd Sure, everyone wants to be drinking four coffees a day and smashing bags of Skittle on the on the on the flights and eating the pancakes at the all-you-can-eat breakfast and blah 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 crap crap crap. There's a reason for it. There's a reason that Formula One drivers, some Formula One drivers, have to sign into their contract eight weeks no gluten before a race. In the contract, think about it. Is it a mistake? Do they know what they're talking about? Do they test? I'm just encouraging you to think. There's another level, but the question is like, can you dream it for yourself? Can you dream of being the best in the world? Can you dream of just being a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better? Maybe that takes you to being the best in the world. You don't need that competitive mindset. You can have the infinite game of, I'm just going to be the best that's ever been. I'm going to serve in the best way possible, more so than be the best it's ever been. But if, I, if I'm going to serve the best way possible, if I'm going to solve the problem to the greatest extent possible, then we're just looking for those details. Every time there's a detail that's like, oh, I'm missing that, let's pick it up. That's where the fun is, right? So making success a ritual. Number five, making success a ritual. Our future is stolen from us by our daily rhythms, our daily routines. 
it's easy to set goals, but it's difficult to have a rhythm that you're proud of and do it every day. How do you make success a ritual? Do you stretching? Do you handstands? For me, the skill components, things like handstands, things like our juggling, things like our foot juggling, they, they cause a mindset shift because you're doing something that the other guys aren't doing, because you're becoming someone that you weren't, because you're building a bigger base of skills, you have a new future, you have a different possibility. You understand wiring new things into the brain. Most athletes end up bankrupt, right? The, the, the facts are a lot of athletes lose all the money that they made as a pro athlete. They get in the habit of spending a lot. They've never really had a financial education. They didn't come from wealthy backgrounds and all the money's gone within a few years because they don't wire in the patterns that they need. So wiring patterns, the athlete inherently understands this for the finest skills of their sport. The best athletes, they wire it in, they wire it in, they wire it in. Michael Jordan practiced shooting a lot, both hands. Kobe Bryant could dunk off all four plants. Tiger Woods decided to rejig his swing twice even though he was the best in the world at that time. He still decided to remake his swing. So athletes get it inherently with their sport, but you need to go back to being a beginner again and realize you can go from hopeless to quite good to excellent in something new. Could be learning piano, could be learning a different language. I like it to be foot juggling as the primary and hand juggling because they will improve your performance as an athlete as well. They'll improve your visual field, your hand-eye coordination. You will have cat-like superhuman skills. Who doesn't need that, right? An extra level of balance, an extra level of body awareness. That's a good thing. So we want that. So building that into your rituals, the good thing about mobility, skills, whether it's handstands, whether it's a language, whether it's piano, if you don't do it regularly, it doesn't improve, right? You study a language very, very hard for five hours one day and you don't go back to it for six months, you, you'll completely wasted your time. You'll be almost exactly where you started. But if you can do 10 minutes a day every day for a year, handstands, juggling, language, that's why we have this stuff in real movement because it teaches you a mindset and a mentality and a knowledge of yourself that lets you go to a place that other people aren't going to go to. And that's fun. It's not just fun because other people aren't going to go there. It's fun because you can take other people there. Because you inherently, you take other people there. You take people there by going there. If I can make more money, I'm going to help other people make more money. If I can take my lifts to another level, I'll help other people take their lifts to another level. If I can you know, get that five-ball juggle for a minute, there are going to be more people in real movement that, that five-ball juggle for a minute. Now, I'm not going to lead everything. I'm happy not to lead everything. I, I, I want other people to be leading within real movement. I want to be following. I want to be chasing. I want to be just playing the game together with everybody else, just racing to the top. That's the fun of it. But it's got to become a ritual. It can't just be a goal and a target. There has to be a process with it. We, in real movement, we call it freedoms. The daily freedoms. It's kind of inspired by the Jocko Willink, which I think was Socrates or Aristotle or one of these guys anyway, but discipline equals freedom. It's it's there, I think, from, from one of those ancient Greeks. I, I know it from Jocko Willink, and then I saw it from one of those guys. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where he got it. But anyway, discipline equals freedom. So the freedom, we have the freedom to choose, right? There There is a, a degree of suppression. There is a degree of 
you know, dominant thought, social engineering, these kind of things that don't necessarily set us up to be wealthy. Most people will spend, they say, 116% of what they earn. Australians will spend 116% of what they earn. Americans, about 125%. So if you earn $100,000, you're going to spend $125,000. How do you do that? With credit, loans, mortgages, etc. So most people are going to spend a lot more than they earn, therefore always be in debt, therefore always be at risk of what's going to happen when the income stops. No guarantees of pensions, no guarantees of superannuation. This is an example of social engineering, programming. We get an education to a point that serves the system. We don't get an education to the point that can take us to new levels. So what if athletes were looking for that new level? We're looking for that thing that goes beyond the dogma of how other athletes are preparing and what's normal at this time and what sports science, exercise science you know, says. For sure, look at the research, but also acknowledge that the research might be 30 years behind best practice. You know, Charles Poliquin said a lot of things. People called him crazy for it in the 80s and the 90s. I believe 10, 20 years from now, and maybe the research will start to come sooner. But I, I believe the research around, you know, Ben Patrick's system, these overtoe stuff, carnivore type stuff, ketogenic type stuff, there are, the research will come. But, you know, Charles Poliquin was using exogenous ketones with his athletes, you know, three, four years ago. Sky Racing's using them. Most people don't know about it may well have been part of that two-hour marathon, but most athletes and most coaches out there will push back super hard if you say, you know, you should be looking at this stuff, you know. Um, I started a business in it when it first came out on the recommendation of Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, Charles Poliquin, Dom D'Agostino. These guys are raving about it. I think this is going to be a good thing to share with humanity, and I shared it, and I'm really, really glad that I did, you know, and I still do. Um understanding insulin understanding blood glucose like this is one of the most important conversations that's why we talk about diet that's how the real movement you know real movement athlete one hour athlete we're teaching things that aren't being taught and there's if it fits your macros you know rubbish as long as calories in calories out rubbish you know this is not elite high performance nutrition this is like survive and be a sheep you know sheeple so we need to make we need to make success a ritual. What are you doing every day? What are you doing ritualistically every day? What do you eat? When do you get up? How do you make your bed? All these things. We've got this system within real movement, so your success becomes a ritual. And part of that is you know gets down to things about money, gets down to things about relationships, because you're not going to be a good athlete if you're under financial pressure. You're not going to be the athlete that you could be at least uh, if you're under relationship pressure. So we don't have all the answers, but we are going to address each of those areas because that's that's the whole picture, and we need to address the whole picture. So that's the five. The X is uh, pick the low-hanging fruit. So wherever the biggest gap is, start there. All right? you, I've, lived, I've given you a lot of things there. Hopefully, you've made some notes. Maybe go back and listen to this. Write some notes down. Stop it. Write things down for yourself. Make yourself a plan. If you do do that, send it to me. I'm doing this out of love. I'm doing this for free. I'm doing this because I want to see athletes go to another level. I believe I would have gone to the Olympics if I'd have had a coach like me, if I'd have been exposed to these concepts. Nearly 20 years ago now, I'm getting old. Not really, but you know what I mean. Um, I may well have you know, avoided a number of surgeries. I may well have avoided uh, a number of gut issues, health issues. That you know, if if the gut's not good, the brain's not good. If the gut's not good, the you know, the, the musculoskeletal system is not getting repaired in the way that it should be. So, this is key information. Like this could very well transform your life. I, I do believe this is a very very powerful important message if you got something out of it i'd love you to you know send me some thoughts send me your notes what you've written down for yourself your goals your clarity what you're going to change of course i'm here to help you along this journey 
when I worked with you know Sydney Roosters, I earned good six-figure income helping professional athletes to be the best. We won the regular season both years that I was with the Sydney Roosters. We had winning seasons at Catalan Dragons. A lot of teams that I've coached, even in hockey and stuff, have won. I like being part of you know winning projects and and seeing things succeed. I have one of the you know maybe top five percent of online training businesses. We can be a lot better. It's early days. We're really only six months into the journey. But you have access to this. You can have access to this for 50 US bucks, 50 US dollars a month. You know, I used to charge $1,500 for three months working with a few guys. But we've changed the system because the way the internet is now, the way your learning platforms are, and give you massive access to my education and to me and to a team of other coaches. You can see the other team of coaches that, we're, that we've got here. I think we're going to really impact the way athletic performance is done. It's going to take some time, but I'm so excited for what we're delivering and, and the results that you're going to get with this. So if you got a lot out of it today, share it with a friend, give me some feedback, and then go pick the low-hanging fruit. Wherever your biggest gap is, go after that thing. If it's the juggling, if it's the mobility, if it's strength, you know, you know, wherever the weakest part of your body is, you want to fix that. All right? So you need to understand strength balance or structural balance fix those imbalances wherever your weakest skill side of things and with your game double down on your strengths if your strength is shooting you know be the best shooter there is maybe pick up a little bit on your weaknesses as well try and get them to an okay level but double down on your strengths as far as athleticism goes as far as your skeletal system goes wherever you have that weakness that thing's the thing that's going to end your career right so if, if your calves are weak and you get calf strains or you've had an achilles tear or then you need to focus in and double down and fix that thing right so pick the low-hanging fruit that's the last that's the x that's the bonus so go pick the low-hanging fruit uh, in the very very near future keegan smith here thank you